1: Hey everybody, it's Adam and I have a very special bonus episode with you for you guys today and I'm I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. I'm joined by Pat Simmons who is the multi-published author of more than 30 titles and is a three-time recipient of the Emma Rogers Award for Best Inspirational Romance. Her latest novel, Lean on Me, was selected as the Together We Read National Digital Book Club pick for the United States, which means from February 19th through March 4th, library card holders in the United States can borrow the title on Libby and Overdrive for free, without any wait lists or holds, and then you can join our discussion board at TogetherWeRead.com, and we're going to dive into a whole bunch of stuff. But first off, Pat, thank you for joining me today.
0: Thank you, Adam, for the invitation. I am excited to be here.
1: <laughs> so we always love starting our conversations as like a jumping-off point by letting you, the author, kind of give our audience a background into the title. So can you give them a little bit of an introduction to your newest book? Sure. Uh, Lean on Me went through several title changes.
0: Um, The idea was introduced to me um, just kind of mentally about eight or nine years ago, Um, and it really didn't go anywhere. It went from the title Mystery Woman to um uh my rock then it went to uh i'm something something (laughs) (laughs) and and then it wound up being lean on me but the whole tagline is even a caregiver needs a caregiver and um the, the whole premise of that is when i came up with the concept years ago caregiving wasn't as um as prominent as it is today, you either are a caregiver or know of someone who has been a caregiver or have needed a caregiver, yeah. but when you say caregiver, it's not a blank expression. People like, oh yeah, yeah, my mother took care of my, you know, or yeah, my husband took care of his, so, um, and actually, I have forgotten all about it, and because I am a Christian writer, um, the Lord spoke to me, and he reminded me. Of That proposal I had done years Mm -hmm. ago and and told me to write it because
1: someone needs to hear from him And so basically here we are and so just to kind of dig into a little bit about being a caregiver um, a lot of it It's it's dealing with um, caring for someone who has dementia, correct?
0: in this particular uh, story yes, and I was a caregiver to my grandmother who probably about 12 12, 13 years ago who had advanced stages of dementia and so it's like what is that nobody knew who that was Mm -hmm. i mean people considered when i was growing up oh they're just old and senile Mm -hmm. i mean and we and we kind of brushed it off oh they're just old you i mean we just really didn't know what that meant um and I didn't know. And I was one of those people like, okay, she has advanced stages of dementia. Grandma, I'm I'm me. Do, do you not know who I am? Mm-hmm. And so from day to day, I could be her sister. I could be her mother. I could, many, many times I was miss. Um, and when she saw my small children, she identified my small children as me when I was a kid. And so whenever she, I would always say on, you know, on the right, in her right mind versus her left mind, I was always astonished at the things that she would remember. Like, she was in the car with me the day I got a ticket. And surely enough, when I got home, she remembered that to mention to my husband. And I'm like, oh no, be in your left mind, not in your right mind. So, I mean, I I had a wonderful experience with her. Um, I have a lot of funny thing she did as I look back, but it wasn't funny then. So I I put a lot of that in the book with Aunt Tweet. Um, just you know, like when she let the dog out and I'm like, Grandma, where's where's Murphy? Now we're talking about a four pound <laughs> Yorkie. You know where's Murphy? Oh, I let him out. No, you can't just let him out. You know, and and the whole neighborhood is looking for Murphy, and you know, just you know, just little things that are frustrating at the time. But as I retell the story, it's funny. But you know, no one knows the true day in and day out of being a caregiver. You know,
1: I'm I'm so glad that you. Use this as a jumping off point, especially so. I, strangely enough, have a very similar connection in the sense that uh, when I was growing up, my grandmother also had late stage dementia, and hers was brought on by early in her life, she had um, water on the brain and she was terrified of getting surgery. And later on, like we my parent my my dad and his family kind of learned that if she would have been comfortable with the surgery none of this would have ever happened but you know uh-huh. it's kind of hard to look back at it in hindsight but exactly what we're talking about being a caregiver my um my aunt was basically she was a registered nurse and so she was her full-time caregiver and then we would go over um you know usually once or twice a week at least and spend the day with my grandmother but it was hers was such late Stages of dementia where she couldn't really talk. Like it was rare oh, that she would yeah. say anything. So she was very much almost, it's not a great term, but she was, you know, they kind of describe it as like a vegetable. She basically would just kind of sit there and she would eat and watch TV.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: And then, the, but there would still be, even with her brain being that way, there would be moments where like I'd be sitting in a room with her and my dad would go to get her meal ready or something. And she would look over and, like, remember who I was and speak to me for, like, mm-hmm. 30 seconds. And then it was almost like the, you know, the lights would go back off. But it's, it's so – the reason I think it's such a powerful place to start a story is because it is so heartbreaking to see someone that you love and care for just completely not remember who you are at all. And then, mm-hmm. you, you know, focusing on, like, the, the caregiver, like, my – my my father and her, his sister, my aunt, who was the caregiver, He they would get in all these tussles all the time. They would fight back and forth. They still do. They bicker all the time, um, which they're, si- <laughs> they're siblings, and my father's side of our family is Jewish, and it's almost like this like very stereotypical Jewish argument. It's pretty funny, but my, my, my dad would give her a hard time about all these various things and certain things that he was concerned about for my grandmother's care, and it's like... It's impossible to see what a caregiver is doing day in and day out and going through right. unless you're that caregiver
0: right right and and see just just now we've both shared experiences mm-hmm. um because we've been touched by that um and like even presently, I have my mother in law living with me who is almost 90 years old, praise God, she is in her right mind, Mm -hmm. she's physically able, but along with that, I also have her oldest son, which is my brother-in-law, who is 70 years old, but he is deaf. Mm -hmm. And not only deaf, he also has a mental disability. So it's not so much being a caregiver for my mother-in-law as it is being a caregiver for... My brother in law, who I have to give chores. Okay, after you eat, make sure you sweep the floor. Mm-hmm. So he's the person that really needs the caregiver. And I, so I've been a caregiver, and I guess you could say I'm I'm in that situation more so with my brother in law, not really with my mother in law because she is self sufficient. Just need to make sure you know she doesn't fall and just things mm-hmm. that has to do with aging. But you know what really, what, which people have to understand is that if if we live as long as they we will be in that situation <sighs> we will need someone to take care of us and people have to remember that so that they can have compassion if we live long enough we're going to need somebody to take care of us and and, you know one of the things with my grandmother and we kind of touched on this earlier was that she was never most of the time she wasn't in her right mind except you know like when I got the ticket Um, (laughs) or you know I remember and I remember the day I wallpaper my dining room which is is really strange because she was living with me and that's how I remember and you know I had on like an old Turner classic movie Mm -hmm. that she was watching and uh, Gene Simmons was starring in the movie and she turned around. She said, that's your last name, isn't it? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, you know, and so when they, when they are in their right mind, it, it, it throws you off. But you know, one thing that she said to me, That if you looked at my grandmother, you would not know she was not self-sufficient. She always smelled fresh. I had her hair done, Mm -hmm. you know, bought her a little purse that had nothing in it, (laughs) you know. But but she, I remember one time, and she was in the bathroom, and she just said, I want to thank you for what you're doing for me. And it just did something to me, because even though she didn't really fully know who I was, she knew I was taking care of her. Mm-hmm. And she and she had a saying, she says, You never know whose hand is gonna be the last one to feed you bread. Mm-hmm. Never heard that before, but yeah. I remember her saying that to me. And so that just did something so that when she did pass away, I had a I had a praying hands on the front of her obituary. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know whose hand is going to give you that last piece of bread. And even when I think about her now, 13 years ago, I still tear up because she was my longest living grandmother. And I I had quite a few grandmothers, you know, I had like step grandmothers, I had you know that's that's a whole different topic, but uh-huh. uh, but she was my longest living. And when when she passed away, I wanted people to remember what she looked like when she was vibrant. Mm-hmm. And even in that obituary, I had the family tree in there to make sure that everyone, whether you came to her funeral or not, had the history of our family that
1: included her. And and that's I I'm glad you brought that up because that's an awesome jumping off point. Before we started recording, I told you I was I was on your website this morning and you have just this phenomenal. You've done all of this research about your ancestry, and it's you are your your stuff is so in depth that it, it literally this morning made me Google and then look up my various ancestors that I was discovering names this morning that I'd never seen before, and it's it's Creep. all because of your website. So you, if if you wouldn't mind kind of talking a little bit about, you do a ton of research on your own ancestry, and then you put. Sort of characters based off these people in your stories correct
0: yes well in one series which is not lean on me the family is forever series it's the jameson Leg- legacy series which is like nine books and um i i honestly started uh, i used to work in television for 10 years and there was an anchor there that had written a book called Honey Island, I, I believe, or Sweet Honey. I, it may be Honey Island. And he was really big into research. And if you're not really big into research, you kind of look at them like, oh, okay, that's good, and keep stepping. And my great-grandmother, which was my grandmother's mother. I, I told you I had a lot of <laughs> Um, And she was 97 years old when she passed away. And so for most of my life, she was just an old woman. Mm-hmm. but um her mind was sharp but she developed diabetes so she had to get a leg amputated so she wasn't as mobile so she basically stayed in the bed but when I was a little kid I remember her walking around with her beautiful long white hair singing you know religious songs and I mean you just you don't when you're young you really just don't give a lot of older people that much attention mm-hmm. you know you you know she's my grandma she feeds me, she sings these songs, but that's it. But as she, well, when she got older, because I, I worked with this young man, well, he wasn't young, but I said, well, let me go and talk to Grandma. And so I asked her, okay, Grandma, what was your maiden name? Who was your mom? You know, and and I thought, because she was so old, was a slave. I mean, I I think that's what uh, you know, especially African American, when uh-huh. you're a kid and you have someone, oh, well, you just know they're slaves, mm-hmm. right? And so I asked her questions. I asked her about slavery, and I was shocked, wait a minute, you you weren't a slave, <laughs> you know. And and so I always tell people I did ask questions, but I didn't ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. You can you can ask people questions and jot down notes, but if you don't ask them the right questions, questions that will slow down your research so I asked her a couple of things and I thought I was good and she passed away and that's what really started because no one knew how old she was
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know my mother my father said oh that old woman is about a hundred years old no one knew and I'm like okay well let me find out how how old grandma Wade was <laughs> and that's kind of what started and that was so fascinating, because I always tell people, if you want to start your research, get an obituary. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught a workshop last year at a at a retreat, and I was surprised it was bad. <laughs> because, I, you know, and I was glad people wanted to know about their roots, but I always tell them, Start with the obituary. So I, you know, I handed out a copy of an obituary and I've circled certain things and, and that's what I talked about because an obituary is a wealth of information. Sometimes it could be wrong depending on who writes it, but it's still a wealth of information because from my great-grandmother's obituary, I found out that she had twin brothers. <sighs> now, my grandmother's a twin. mm mm-hmm. And so I just knew Grandma Jessie was a twin, and her brother Uncle Lewis. So we called him Uncle LC. But I didn't know my great grandmother had twin brothers. And I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. So from that, Ellis Brown—not Brown—is such a common name. Yeah. But like, but like, you jumped online mm-hmm. and started looking the names. That's what I did. I jumped online to find out who is. Ellis Brown. I found him.
1: See, this is so amazing to me.
0: It it is. It is. I found him, but I found an article about him. The article said, 100-year-old man perishes in house fire.
1: Oh, my God. I found him. Well, first off, you have crazy longevity in your family, by the way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I know. God. Yes. That's
1: one yes. of my big takeaways so far. Is you've got all these hundred-year-old ancestors and <laughs> nine-year-old ancestors, but so I know, it's I know. amazing. Um, I'm curious. So one of the things I I knew after my grandfather on my mother's side passed away is uh, my mother's maiden name is Waskovich, and we her father was from Eastern Europe, and when he came over, uh, we didn't realize until after his. His uh, his death. You mentioned, you know, trying to find ver- verifying people's ages and everything. Uh, they didn't know. First off, they were celebrating the wrong day for his birthday his entire life, and he just never corrected anybody. And also. Oh um his, his name, as we knew him, he was Grandpa Ruben. He was Ruben Waskovich. And on when they were doing all the, you know, like, finding everything for his obituary, they found that his birth certificate from when he came over from Eastern Europe, it said Lubert Vukovich. And when he came over, he just changed his name and didn't right. tell anybody. <laughs> and so they found, like, the official records. And this is something where, you know, he is you know, a a documented immigrant and then changed his name so it's documented. But, you know, you were talking about, you know, wondering if you had an ancestor who was a slave and when when they were. So I know that for a lot of people who are African-American that are trying to find their ancestry, it can be really hard because of documentation. So how do you go about finding people in your family line that maybe weren't properly documented the way that, you know, like my Caucasian uh, ancestors may have been?
0: Well, number one, um, make sure you tune in every week to Finding Your Roots Mm -hmm. with uh, Henry Louis Gates. He has done phenomenal research uh, with people of Jewish Mm -hmm. uh, ancestry, just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I mean, going back to biblical times, I'm like, (laughs) oh, man, yeah, high five. I mean, I just love his show. Um, But I have been able to find two slaveholders. Mm -hmm. And... Um, One thing with and, and and because of just writing deadlines, I I can't do research the way I love to do it because it it does take time. You can't get discouraged, and just like that document that you find found opens up a whole new world of mm-hmm. hunger to find out who you are and and what your ancestors went through and. You know, when when you talk to Jewish people, you know most people think, "Oh, I, I'm I'm sure my ancestors died in the in the Holocaust." Mm-hmm. And you, you, I mean, that's just one of the things as being Jewish. I would think, um, you know, and this could be a, a wrong assumption, and and this could be offensive. And so, you know, let me just say. First off, it it is offensive for me to say that. It's because I just don't know, Mm -hmm. you know. But it's the same thing that when you're black, you just automatically think, oh, you were a slave, but there were free blacks.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And so, you know, you don't know what you don't know. and, and, And you try not to be offensive when you have those type of ancestry conversations. But in my in my great grandmother's case, one thing that helped me was that she gave me a name Palmer. But where did the name Palmer come from? But I was able to find, okay, you ready for this? Mm -hmm. I was able to find my great-grandmother's grandmother. Oh, my gosh. I know. um, Because she gave me Palmer.
1: (laughs) And my great-grandmother happened to be named after her grandmother. I, I and I'm and again for everyone who is listening to this, if you wanna see all of these names and all these people, if you go to patsimmons.net, you have this whole section on your website which is all of your roots and, and where they came from and, and so when you're when you're searching for these people, you know, you, you mentioned going online and everything, but are you going to libraries? Like what where yeah. else other than, you know, kind of just yeah. like doing the, the what I was doing, yeah. the Cursory Google search, like where else were you finding this information?
0: Well, the library is free. <laughs> Every library has a genealogy department. You pay your taxes, mm-hmm. use it. Those people up there knew me by first name. Hey Larry, <laughs> hey Chris. How you doing, Paul? I mean, I this was before Ancestry became real big. Mm-hmm. I did I did the, the hard work calling people, mailing, you know, paying for documents and, and things of that nature, but um what happened and, and i and i share this story it's in the back of some of my books in in the Jameson legacy is that when i first got the Trump contract for my very first book i mean i was knee deep into genealogy mm-hmm. i mean like you know i mentioned i got a book i got a book signed okay I, i'll see you guys later i'm i'm knee deep in this genealogy <laughs> and 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 so um i and i have pictures of my great grandfather, who growing up, I thought the man was white. Mm-hmm. I just saw, my, my my mother had a picture, I thought the man was white.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Until my, my aunt said, girl, that man not white, he's black. And I'm looking at this picture and I'm thinking, blonde hair, brown eyes, he looks white to me.
2: Uh-huh.
0: But um, what happened with that is that in honor of my ancestors, I like to name a character
2: mm-hmm. their
0: name, you know. And I did it in hope not only of honoring my, my ancestors, but maybe someone who reads the book may say, Hey, we got the same names. I think we could be related. So what I did is um, I have Charlottes. I have like three generation of Charlottes, the name Charlottes in my family. So um, my first book, I in honor of my grandmother, whose name was Charlotte, who was named after her grandmother, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah i mean you know but but that sounds silly but that really does aid in your search those names you have to keep them separated but i named my main character's mother charlotte Mm -hmm. but i knew that my great grandfather lived because not only was my mom here but i had a picture of him but on a census i could not find him he was born one year after the emancipation proclamation in 1866 I knew his mother's name was Charlotte. I knew he lived, and I knew he had a brother, and I found William Wilkerson. I I found him under one census, but I couldn't find him in the 1870 census. I I couldn't find him. And so this is, you know, if you're a genealogy swoop, you're like, wait a minute now. Where is this man? So I had a writing deadline. I had to finish so I asked some of my genealogy friends, I'm like, hey, I'm tracking them on the census, which the census people should definitely start with the census as well. I'm tracking them, but I can't find them. And so in between that, as an author, you have to choose names that are distinguished for your characters. I mean, if, if someone says, hey, have you read the book about those William boys? Who you know how many people name a William? So, I mean, I couldn't use Brown or Simmons. I mean, I had to use a name that as soon as someone said that last name, they're like, oh, yeah, I've read those books. <laughs> and so it's this African-American author. She built her reputation on the Medeiros men. As soon as you say Medeiros, people, Brenda Jackson, mm-hmm. Brenda Jackson. So I wanted to have that type of name identifier. So I'm thinking, oh, Jameson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jameson. I like that name. Didn't d- didn't really know any Jamesons, but I like the ring to it, mm-hmm. Jameson. So here we go. My character, the mother's name is Charlotte Jameson, Park Jameson, Malcolm. I mean, so I mean, I'm flowing with this name, Jameson. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, my friends are looking for Charlotte Wilkerson. And so they came back. Blew me away. They said, well, Pat, the reason why you couldn't find Charlotte Wilkerson is because on the census, she is living with the slaveholder, Robert Jameson. Uh-huh. And
1: so I'm yeah. like, oh my God,
0: <laughs> I got Jameson's in my family.
1: Well they didn't know it. And not only that, you if if people look on your website, it's not just that you have Jameson's and... Uh, and and Wilkerson's, there's different spellings of these names as well. Correct. Correct.
0: And you will find that when you start your genealogy search, if you go to the library and you tell them, you know, my last name is Ruben, Mm -hmm. and you think that's simple, okay, Ruben. And they're going to say, well, we're not going to look up Ruben. We're going to look up the sound Mm -hmm. so, And you're going to find that because back in the day, there's different spellings and not only different spellings there's different misspellings <laughs> of the of the numerators like with uh Cole for example my maiden name was Cole well i'm sure people have shopped at the Coles department uh-huh. store you know there's so many different spellings and so because of that you have to look at those misspellings to find you know in searching your roots as well i
1: I am just, I'm so blown away by all of the the research and, like, the passion you have towards this. So, um, how do you, you know, you've, I mentioned at the very beginning in our intro, in addition to all of this genealogy knowledge and teaching these, you know, these uh, workshops and seminars and stuff, you've written th- more than 30 books. So, when, what is your, like, when you start to write, do you do, like... Um, I know I've talked to a lot of writers who do, like, a, basically a day where they do a, a writing day as if they were working in an office, like, 9 to 5. I like guess, like, how do you lay out your writing and try to parse the time between when you need to be doing your research and when you need to be writing? Like, how do you decide when to start to do one or the other?
0: Let me do a disclaimer right now. Do not do what I do at home. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I used to... Um set aside Sundays, which is my down day, to do re- my genealogy research. But that has kind of just not happened uh, lately because of just, I also so soap- that is my downtime, where people may read, um, you know, which I love to read on Sundays, too, but like to watch television. I'm not a television watcher. If Finding Your Roots aren't on, I'm good. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll, I'll so just to relax my mind, but basically, I write six days a week. Um, and, like, I'm, I'm talking to you but the next book in the Family is Forever series is, is on my, my monitor.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, I can start writing six in the morning, um, maybe take a break, because I do have to kind of supplement my income throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And like last night, I signed off at 1 a.m. Um, and so my laptop is my purse.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You, I have to go to a doctor's office my laptop is with me. You know, I have to take you shopping. You shop. I'll sit in the car and I'll write. <laughs> and, and, and I always tell people, you should be writing before you even sit down at the computer. You know, people say, oh, do you have a writer's block? And I'm like, I don't even use that term. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't think people should use that term because that's an excuse. You should be writing before you even sit down. When I got up this morning, my characters were already talking. They, they picked up from where I left off last night. And so it's like when I sit down, it's like I need to catch up with them. Oh, yeah, they told me some good stuff. Let me write that down real quick. And so when you're not physically in front of the computer, your mind should be writing. When, when, when I hang up from you, I know exactly where I'm going to start writing because my characters have already started talking to me. And so that's what I always tell people. Don't sit down and look at the computer like, okay, what am I going to write about? No, you need to get up, mop your floor, rake the leaves, go and do something and wake up your characters and let your characters begin to talk to you. And let, you know, hear them argue, hear them, you know, watch them crying. Right now, my characters are still at that dinner conversation where he confessed <laughs> his love. And he, and she's telling him, I want four kids. And he's like, you know, my character, he's swallowing hard. Wait a minute, four kids, four, four. Oh my God. Four. You know, and so that's what I woke up with. So, hey, I'm going to be able to go back to that scene and have him swallow. And his eyes are like a deer caught in the head like, you know, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm on it. Yeah. So there's there's no writer's block. So I would encourage people that want to start writing, don't start at the computer. Start while you're eating breakfast. Start while you're watching TV. While you're at the mall and you're looking at the way someone is walking or talking, you know, let those characters start in your head.
1: Before you even sit down, that's going to be so much easier. So I, much easier for you. You should be a motivational speaker, Pat. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I could write a whole novel right now, just like <laughs> like living vicariously through your energy. This is amazing. Oh,
0: well thank you. Well, you know, I've been doing this for uh, my first book came out in two thousand and seven, so now it's you know, I've been doing this for thirteen years, so I know the do's and the don'ts. Mm-hmm. I I know what works for me. What works for me may not work for someone else, you know. And so I can just share my experience and what not to do for me. But what, you know, some people work every day and I'm like, no, my brain needs a downtime because I have prayed, God, shut these people down so I can go to sleep. I mean, seriously, it's like a woman that's pregnant. You know, you're up all day. Your baby's fine. As soon as you lay down, that baby's like, playtime. You know, I mean, my chair's just like, oh, no, you don't. And I have seriously prayed, Lord, I'm tired. My body's tired. I need rest. Shut these people <laughs> down. I mean, I, I know it sounds funny, and it and it is funny, uh-huh. except it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. And you've got to get up at 8. It's
1: time to go to sleep, y'all. <laughs> So when you do when you're not writing and helping out other people and doing your your ancestry research and everything like when you find a few minutes here and there to read, like, what types of books are you enjoying as a reader?
0: Well, I always try to support my other authors, mm-hmm. my author author friends, and we all do the same thing. It may take me a couple of years to read your book, but i download them on my Kindle because we, you know, we have to support each other. So I do like uh, reading other authors' books, especially authors who I feel kind of have the same writing mindset that I have, mm-hmm. that I can identify with them. And it's this Nigerian author. Her first name is Yanoma. I'm going to butcher her last name, Nuwakar or something like that. Mm-hmm. I hope she's not listening. But <laughs> she... <laughs> She has her African brothers, like I have my Jameson men, so I can identify with that. But honestly, I like to read biographies.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I liked because I love history. Um, one of my favorite books is "The Warmth of the Other Sun." Six hundred pages, but um, she was the first African American American to win a Pulitzer Prize. Um, but she had a lot of history in there, and and so of course I I love that, and and I do like to read about family's genealogy, mm-hmm. whether white or black. Because guess what? If I got white folks in my family, there's a lot of white people out there that you got some black distant cousins mm-hmm. in your family too. I mean that I mean we're all we're all mixed. We we are, mm-hmm. and so I love to read those books and. I also like to read books that I need to do research for my books. Um, And as a result of that, I wrote a novella, The Keepsake. And I've been married 36 years. So what do I know about a cheating spouse? I don't. (laughs) But but I've had friends that are divorced and things of that nature. But I have to get in my character's head. Mm -hmm. And so I was traveling and I bought this book called her Needs, His Needs, sold over a million copies. Mm-hmm. But it was about this man who counseled people that were on the road to divorce. And I thought, what a perfect way for my research. And it was it was really good. And I'm thinking, what could I learn? I've been married at the time, maybe over 30 years. What could I learn from this book? Mm-hmm. I, I have my happily ever after. But it was a really good book. And it really helped me get into the head of my character and as a result of that book, now everybody that gets married, I go and buy them a copy of that book in addition to whatever gift I buy them.
1: Oh, that is so, so amazing. Um, okay, one, one more question for you because I'm, I'm curious, and I imagine you'll have something fantastic to say this as well, but what do you hope readers during the Together We Read uh, digital book club take away from Lean on Me?
0: Oh, yeah, back to that book, right? (laughs) (laughs) My whole, as a Christian author, my whole mission is to inspire people. But I also want to take readers into a different world. I want readers who have never been a caregiver to see what it's like on a day-to-day basis of being a caregiver. I want my readers to see the frustration, and I want them to identify with that person when they say, oh, I'm, I can't go. I, I can't go to the movies. You know, Mama has a, a doctor. She has two and three doctor's appointments, and not cut that person off.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that's important to me, that you... Not cut that person off, you know, maybe offer to come and just sit with that person or bring them lunch, or you know, pay for a maid for a day. You know that's what I want. But I also, because I couldn't be you know a romance also <laughs> without putting romance in there to encourage those that are caregivers that your life is not over that you're not hidden away, that there's someone watching you and there's someone that cares about you and there's somebody that is there to lighten the load that you could lean on. And so even in the midst of introducing my readers to a different world, I also want to introduce my other readers that there is a happily ever after
1: for you too. Well, Pat, as you mentioned at the very beginning of that that you want to you know, kind of inspire people, and it is impossible if they read your words or listen to you speak to not be inspired. People are going to love this book. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Oh, Adam, we've had a great time, a great time. Thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. I hope everyone will be able to get that copy of Lean On Me, and I'm working on the third book. So just hang tight with me with the Family is Forever series. And, and I appreciate every reader for all that they do. And Oh, and don't forget to post those reviews. <laughs> we need them.